Hello, beautiful woman. Welcome to the Womology Podcast. This is the place to come back home to the rhythms of the earth, the moon, and your cyclical body. These conversations are meant to illuminate your path to remembering and embodying your true feminine nature. To join the growing community of women just like you committed to reclaiming their womb wisdom, join us in the Cyclical Sisterhood Membership, where we gather to learn, to connect, and to be. I'm Dana Jehos, a womb awakening guide and medicine woman. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome back to the Wombology podcast. I'm so excited to be here today with Megan Hain, who is a women's circle facilitator. And today we're going to be talking about the different feminine archetypes that we go through throughout the phases of our menstrual cycle and um, how that like impact influences our behavior um, and how we can use these archetypes to understand ourselves more deeply. So thank you so much for being here, Megan. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yay. So where are you at in your cycle right now, Megan? And how are you feeling and how are you supporting yourself in that phase? Mm, so I am day 20. Um, oh my gosh. Wait, I think I am too. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> wait. Oh, I'm t- yeah, I'm t- day 20. Oh my gosh. Oh, sweet. Okay. <laughs> Twins. Um, That's great. Uh, this past year, I've been having like a lot longer cycles, maybe like 30 days. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, 20 is still pretty early autumn for me in my cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the biggest things that's changed for me these past few years is I love the luteal phase so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the sharpness that I have. I love how boundaried I am. I love how unaccommodating I can feel sometimes. Um, I think because I'm a an actual mother and like, you know, I'm always accommodating people. It can feel really good to really have a clear sense of those boundaries. Mm. Um, so that's one big way I take care of myself during this phase is just get really clear on, um, what kind of limits I need to set for myself this cycle. And, um, this time I had a lot of illness the past month. I think, you know, there's just a lot of viruses going around. So, I definitely feel like I need to take a little bit of a step back um, during this phase. And so I'm I'm doing that and I'm voicing that and I'm, you know, telling the people in my life and um, yeah, and I'm going to start eating more mineral rich foods now and um, get ready to, you know, prepare my bleeding nest. <laughs> but, you know, I still have a good amount of time to do that. So I'm feeling pretty chill about it right now. Mm, I love that. Um I'm wondering as a mother and like for any mothers listening on the podcast, how do you communicate those boundaries and like communicate kind of where you're at in your cycle with your family? Yeah. So, you know, I have two daughters um, and since forever, you know, they, when kids are little, they like go to the bathroom with you and everything. So they're very aware of bleeding time. And so I just, it's about doing it out loud more, um, less internalizing it. So, you know, if I'm feeling a certain way, I'll be like, you know, I'm really feeling impatient today because, um, you know, I'm on edge, I'm going to start bleeding soon. And I feel this sense of urgency, you know, so I'm just always trying to voice to them, especially so they don't take it personally when I'm setting Mm -hmm. harder boundaries. I'm like, this is about me kids. Yeah. And you know, that works with my husband too, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. Thank you. Um, so can you tell us more about your circles that you facilitate? Yeah, so this was just sort of born out of a dream I had to sit with other womb holders, which happened maybe more recently in my um, cycle journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every six weeks or so we meet at my house and I get the house to myself. My husband takes the girls and they go, you know, spend the night somewhere, do something fun. And, um, yeah, I really make the house into a womb cave and mm-hmm. set the stage. And then 
I have a great group of womb holders in my community that come together and we have a potluck and we talk about a certain topic. Mm. Um, and so we're doing elderhood right now because that's a good winter topic. And um, I'm actually so excited because my circle's on Friday and I have an elder yoga teacher who's 84 years old and she's going to come talk to us about aging. Oh um, my gosh, that's and it's so gonna be cool. Awesome. I'm so excited. Yeah. <gasps> that's so exciting. I love that so much. Yeah. It's, I never knew how much I needed like to gather in sisterhood in circle until, yeah, it really didn't happen until being here in Austin. And now um, my two friends and actually two of them are in the, uh, the cyclical sisterhood membership with you as well. Um, they're holding a space at their at Sarah's house on Thursday tomorrow, um, and then we have a circle tonight in the cyclical sisterhood. So I'm excited for that, and it's so cool to see like how differently like different people hold circles in different ways, and there's no one right way to do it, and it can be very like loose and like without structure and just like very flowy and feminine and then there can be some structure like here's a specific topic we're talking about and yeah it's just so cool so fun so i know from an instagram post that i read on your profile that you weren't always this in tune with your cycle and things were very different until your first pregnancy so can you tell us more about how things were before the pregnancy and like how your pregnancy and your birth journey changed you and kind of awakened you to this, this way of cyclical living. Yeah. You know, I think a big piece of that was the sisterhood piece. Um, I was always somewhat aware of my cycles. I think because I had four sisters and my mom was very vocal about it as well. Um, she had been a teen mom and I think she just really wanted us to understand how that all worked. Um, mm. probably because that was not her experience. Yeah. But it was really during that pregnancy, I did a program called centering pregnancy and it's group care for pregnant women. So we would meet with our midwife and we all had, you know, the same group of midwives and there was like two or three of them, but we did all of our appointments together in circle and it was very potent to sit together that way. And I realized, why haven't I ever done this around these issues of the womb before? Mm. And it was a safe space, very safe. And I'm still in touch with a lot of these women, you know, six years later. It was a sacred space that was created, even in like a somewhat medical environment. Mm. And I realized the power was really like womb holders sitting in circle talking about these matters and and then, of course, I had daughters mm -hmm. and I started to dream into the world I wanted to see for them. And that's when, you know, my mindset really started to shift. And I was like, I have to start with me. I have to know what's going on with me every day. I need mm -hmm. to see like the patterns here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. it It's like unfortunate that so many of us were we're not brought up with this um, information, but now it's so available and there's more and more of these spaces being created. And that was kind of the like mission and vision behind Cyclical Sisterhood too, as well is let's gather to learn these things so that we can pass it down to the next generation so that they don't have to be as clueless as we were. <laughs> And you can learn a lot from being just around a diverse group of people because, you know, I know some of my menstrual experiences, my mom was like, I don't know, like what you're talking about, right? And, right. but if I had been with a group of, you know, 20 women, it's, it's more diverse. People know what's mm. happening. So, um, you yeah. know. And uh, of course, while this was going on, I was also sort of discovering my rediscovering a love for mythology that I've always had. And then, you know, then the archetypes started to weave in as well. So. Okay. Well, perfect segue. <laughs> um, I know that there are a lot of different feminine archetypes that, and there's like different people have different names for like the same thing. Um, 
And we move through these, not just within our monthly menstrual cycle, but throughout our entire lifespan as women. Um, But today we're just going to focus on the archetypes in the menstrual cycle for sake of time. So firstly, I would love to kind of set a foundation and define what even is a target what even is an archetype (laughs) yeah that's great and you know i think i would also just like to note that um the cool thing about the archetypes within the menstrual cycle and the fact that they are the archetypes within your life is that um all these phases in your cycle teach you a lot about the phases in your life too so i i just love that you know Mm -hmm. that aspect of you know, menstrual cycle awareness in general too. Um, but archetype is largely credited to the work of Carl Jung, who is known as one of the founders of modern psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's basically a term that he used to describe a symbol or a character or an idea that exists universally within our subconscious. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, within the archetypes exist like, the discovery of human potential and they're universally recognizable to everyone. So it's really, I think, important to note that every archetype exists within every person. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you're going to relate to some of them more than others. And that's part of the deep self-learning that's available to you when you like start to pay attention to archetypes. Um, and within each archetype also exists pitfalls within your human experience. So I think it's really interesting because it teaches you about how everything that you relate to has like another side to the coin. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, myth and story, which is where, you know, my archetypal interest really stemmed from. Um, One of the reasons myths and stories are so powerful is because they're full of archetypes. So it's a they're really relatable to all human experience. And that's why myth and story has existed throughout history in all human cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so for me personally, what's so beautiful about doing womb work is that um, we can use archetypes to relate to our cyclical nature. And one of the ways that we all do this, I think within the menstrual cycle awareness community is that the seasons are archetypes. Mm -hmm. within the frameworks we use so archetypes can be characters they can be animals they can be symbols but you know even something like a season or an experience that everyone knows what like spring is is an archetype within this structure um but and it can be fruitful for me to look at like other frames because you know maybe I relate more to the more human one or maybe I really relate to animals Mm -hmm. and Yeah. So, and another thing that I love about menstrual cycle awareness archetypes is that it's also just kind of fun. Mm -hmm. So it adds this element of fun to it. And I think it makes it like a more sustainable practice. Early on in my journey, I ran into a few women that were, like you said, using archetypes in different structures and, um, you know, it's informed my journey hugely. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. I like how you said the archetype is something that everyone universally understands and recognizes like if i say what are the vibes of spring like everyone kind of knows oh spring comes to mind like rebirth renewal um growth like planting seeds new beginnings and if i say winter everyone could know oh it's like cold and dark and things like death decay and yeah i wanted to share like the reason why this whole conversation even came about this whole podcast episode was a recent experience I had in understanding the archetypes throughout my menstrual cycle and for me understanding when is the best time for me to make big life decisions based on um where I'm at in my cycle and what kind of archetype I am sitting in at that time Mm -hmm. um I'll wait till the end to tell the full story because I don't want to spoil like what all the archetypes are before you get to it. So in which part of the cycle would you like to start? 
Um, I'd like to start in the spring. Okay, perfect. So yeah, um, there's kind of these layers where we have the menstrual cycle, um, inner spring is connected to our follicular phase. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where we're at. And yeah, I'll let Megan take it away in terms of what archetype that aligns with. Yeah, so um, I like to start in the spring because it's also the beginning of the life phases too. So um, Mm -hmm. spring is your maiden phase. And I feel like it's pretty much universally people use the maiden for this one. Yeah. I think because maidenness is such a universal experience for women. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also really think I'd like to encourage people to discover what that means for you. Because I know in some of the work I've done with um, a relative of mine who also works in the menstrual cycle awareness world, Roxy Jane Hunt, she, when I originally discussed some of these phases these archetypes with her she was like you know I kind of sometimes relate to these archetypes personally and I create my own names for them Mm. and I loved doing that and so spring was a really huge one for me because I'm a mother right and I'm like I don't know if I really feel my maiden although there are aspects of that phase that I do feel my maiden um But I realized I really relate to the archetype of the shepherdess because there's still that element of responsibility there that exists within my life. Can you Um, say more what what that is? I've never heard that. uh, So a shepherdess would be a sheep herder. Okay. And so for me, also, I grew up on a sheep ranch. So (laughs) I really understand in my world what that is. I think people should explore their worlds, you know. What symbols speak to you? Maybe it's a Disney princess. Maybe it's a, you know, uh, an animal that you're really like, man, when I'm in spring, I'm definitely like a little chipmunk or something. Um, (laughs) Uh. So I think, you know, you don't have to be like maiden. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Although, you know, universally this phase might be called the maiden. Yeah. And so the maiden is fresh. And a lot of people experience this phase with like an uptick in energy. Mm-hmm. I would say for me personally, my uptick is a little gradual and I feel a little more like reticent in the spring. I would say I'm not as social in the spring as some people are. And I've just discovered this through sitting in circle with other womb holders. Um, but the maiden is these sprouts coming out of the ground. She's um, she's newness. So, you know, sometimes these sprouts are a little tender. Not all of them are going to make it. And I think another thing that is very maiden-like is like you have all these ideas, right, of like things you want to do in your life. Like you want to start a million different projects, you know, and you're 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 feeling very clear, cleared out without like a lot of baggage. So um, for me, my maiden is definitely like a little bit irresponsible. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, she might be like one to throw caution to the wind and just go out dancing, even though she has work the next day kind of thing. Yeah. So (laughs) I definitely, you know, like I see a dancer a lot. So a dancer might be an archetype that I would see. Um. And of course, every archetype sort of has a shadow side too. And so the maiden and maybe more of the shadow that I tend to work with is my maiden can be a little bit more of a wallflower. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a term I got from a woman named Megan Kurtz Forrester, who wrote an amazing book actually about the menstrual cycle to for men. It's like aimed at like men, a man's guide. It's called WTF, (laughs) a man's guide. Um, But she has this really great archetype wheel in her book. And I, so I loved it the first time I saw it. And so Mm -hmm. I use her shadow sides a lot because she, she has um, a pyramid. And so two different shadows for each archetype. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the other shadows of the maiden archetype? So the other shadow of the maiden archetype is the, is the prostitute. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. So in, 
not so much in the sense of necessarily even a sexual thing, but like somebody who's spreading their energy out all over the place. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So she names it that, but it's just like somebody who's like too available, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think sense. like, I definitely see like lacking, lacking boundaries. Shadows. Yeah. Right. So I definitely see how I can do both shadows. Um, yeah. So the maiden has two shadow sides and, um, you know, there's probably others too. Again, this is a, this is very personal work. Mm-hmm. And I think both the energetic, like loveliness of the maiden, the freshness and these shadow sides all have a lot to teach us about ourselves. And it can be a really beautiful dance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Anything else you want to say on the maiden or do you want to move on to the next phase? Yeah, I think I want to move on to the next phase. It's interesting. Whenever I have these archetypal conversations, I always relate more to the phase that I'm in. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) As we do. And that's just part of our beautiful cyclical natures. Um, Yeah, I love it. But then we move into summer, which is... um, Some people call this the mother phase. Some people call this the creatrix phase, which I love using in my women's circles because there are several womb holders in my circle that are childless by choice. And, you know, it's so nice to talk about creatrix because there's so many ways you can use this mother energy. Yeah. Um, But the mother is very generous, right? She's very nurturing accommodating (laughs) and there's and also just so easy to connect and I love that about this phase and you know the shadows of that or that is that she can be kind of a martyr Mm -hmm. um and I think that's important balance to find through your entire cyclical awareness so yeah um, It's usually back when I'm in my luteal phase that I'm like, oh, you were so accommodating. (laughs) Um, Yes. And, but I do find that my creatrix phase has a harder time um, thinking about things that are not fun and joyful and positive. Mm. Um, It can be hard to even like bring it into mind. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're just like kind of kind of like super optimistic and positive almost to a fault where you're just like ignoring anything negative. <laughs> yeah. And I think like one of the archetypes I like for this is like Venus sort of thing. Or mm. I saw uh, someone um, that I track with sent like a Dolly Parton in this like um, gold dress, like holding, you know, I-, I-, I thought that was really a good archetype for the mother phase (laughs) yeah oh that's so good um yeah and I like to like you know there's definitely a sexiness um to that phase too which mm -hmm. I I appreciate um that that phase in life is very that phase in life and cyclical phase is very um open sexually yeah yeah um in your experience from that transition from maiden to mother like in your lifespan, not just within your like cycle to cycle. Um, Was there like a particular moment or like time where you were like, oh, I'm, I'm like in the mother now? Like, how, how did you know? Like, what were the kind of feelings or thoughts coming up? Um, I would say for me, when I really felt like, oh, I'm the mother was when I got very confident in my parenting decisions. Mm. Um, because at least for me, when I first had my first baby, there's so many unknowns and people offer a lot of advice, but I wasn't really sure I wanted advice. I just kind of wanted to like flow with it and figure it out. So it was about choosing where I wanted to get advice, how I wanted to like learn about mothering. Mm. And when I really like honed in on my style because it was actually impossible to know ahead of time. Um, Even from like the first few days of my daughter's life, I was a way different mother than I anticipated. Mm, How so? (laughs) It's a feeling that you can't anticipate kind of. So you have these ideas about who you are and some of them are true and some of them are not. So it 
really shines a light on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what, what did you anticipate? So yeah, when I first was like, this is my parenting decision, like hard boundary on that. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I'm the mother. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So what did you anticipate like that you would be? And then what was the reality? I thought I would have a lot more like structures mm-hmm. in parenting. I thought I would be like, you know, if the kid doesn't like it, that's, you know, I'm the parent. Um, <laughs> but the truth is, is like, you really care about their feelings and experience as well, even when they're babies. And um, <laughs> there was a lot of me feeling like, how can I make her feel like her opinion matters? And she has autonomy, even though she super doesn't. Um and I did not expect to care about that. Like, I remember saying things like, I'm never going to listen to like kids music. It's so bad. Like, why would anyone do that? Like, <laughs> you're the parent, just play what you want to play. And it's like, well, they really like it. Mm. So <laughs> that matters to me now. Mm. And before I like knew them, it didn't matter, right? <laughs> right, right. So the accommodation, I suppose, is like a big piece of it. It's like, oh, I really do want to accommodate them because that's the way I'm showing them love. Right. Yeah. So it seems like the maiden is more about kind of like self-pleasure, self-indulgence. Like it's it's kind of selfish, but not with like a negative connotation because mm. I don't think I mean, I think that's what you should be doing at that time, like in your teens and 20s. It is a selfish time where you're like learning who you are and what you like and what you want in life. And then as you move into the mother, um, you're just so much more aware of, you know, the you're there for your children and and supporting them. Um, Yeah. Or your creative projects. Like they need things from you, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Like you there's more responsibility, I suppose, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like the maiden phase informs the mother phase really well. Like, Mm -hmm. I know I relate to my mothering a lot in terms of, you know, my childhood experience. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, do you see that each phase, the previous phase kind of like flows into the next in some way? Like, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, you set up the next phase by how you approach. And the cool thing about being a menstruator is that we get a new chance every month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we mess it up last time, it's like, yep. all right, we got a second chance. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, 30 days later, you're good. <laughs> yeah. So how do you think, um, yeah, how do you think you can set yourself up for a better mother phase in your maiden phase? I wonder. Not overdo it. Um, Mm -hmm. Maidens overextend themselves a bit. So, um, and if you do that, you can get to the mother phase and already be running out of steam. Yeah. And it, you know, the mother phase, the summer phase in your cycle is already the shortest one. So if you've like kind of burnt out already, then it's even shorter. And the abrupt edge into luteal can be really hard. So yes. yeah, I think just um, save some of that energy for myself is what I tell myself, like save some of this dancing feet for like dancing by myself. You know, I don't have to go out. I don't have to like say mm-hmm. yes to everything. I can like really yeah. still ask myself. And that's, you know, that's the mature maiden. That's for me, right. like the shepherdess still tending her flock while she's still like dancing away from the village and spending time with herself. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, don't be the prostitute where you're just like giving away all your energy to everyone and like saying yes Yes, to everything. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. So let's move on to the next phase, luteal phase. Oh, yeah. This is my favorite and it's what I'm in, but it's (laughs) also just like, I think objectively my favorite phase. So, (laughs) Um, but this is your inner autumn. Um, One of the things I like about autumn when it's autumn outside at least here in the pacific northwest and places that i've lived autumn is also just a very complex season because in some ways you could break it into two phases because there's that early autumn and then there's the late autumn when you're really looking at winter Mm -hmm. um but i've heard this phase called maga by jane hardwick collins um which it would be um like the female version of mage 
Um, I've heard it called queen. I've heard it called matriarch. And I've heard it called um, wise woman yeah. or sorry, wild woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I like wild woman. Yeah. Um, I actually named this phase of my cycle, my own personal um, archetype, which is fox woman, because I feel like I have a den that I'm protecting and preparing. And so I feel very animalistic. I feel very predatory in a certain kind of way, but like in a, in the way like predators naturally exist in the wild. So I'm like looking for meat. I'm like storing the meat. I'm like preparing my food for my bleeding time. And like, so a fox or like an animal that has a burrow really feels like a good archetype for me. Mm, I like that. Um, And there's a wildness to it because I feel like well, and just the veil of estrogen has come down and estrogens are really, it's the hormone of accommodation. It like creates that in your body. And which is why, you know, women who are finishing their cyclical time in their lives and they're in the autumn phase of their life can kind of feel like, why am I mad all the time? And it's because that um, accommodation has gone away, that estrogen mm-hmm. veil. So mm-hmm. um, that like wild woman thing starts to come out more. Yeah. 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 So what are some of the, um, I guess like a mature wild woman and then what are like the shadows of that archetype? Yeah. So the mature wild woman for me is my Fox woman. It's this like, she's having foresight. She's, um, you know, she's defending her burrow. Um, Mm -hmm. but also, you know, like being aware of her surroundings, And the biggest shadow that comes up for me in my head right now is the tyrant. Hmm. What's that? Um, Well, it would be like, everyone needs to accommodate me and like scolding and like, you know, angry. Mm -hmm. Um, And also just, there's also like a sort of um, a less aggressive version of that where you're kind of like, poor me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, like victim. And I think, yeah, that's, it's easy to see both things for me in that time. And, and I love the complexity of that. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. me personally, I usually like at the beginning of my luteal phase, I start to feel these like gripes building around my <laughs> life, like whatever I'm griping about. And that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm like noticing little gripes in my life. Yeah. And then I like stack them all up. And I get ready to bleed out what's behind those gripes. And that like when I move toward the end of my autumn phase, I feel like, oh, now I got these gripes and like I can work with them and shape them into something that I really want to release. And then what I want to come in and 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 then I feel like at some point mid autumn, I have a real truth speaker archetype mm-hmm. that comes up. Yes. Yeah. I really resonate with that one. Yeah. And there's different like archetypes within mythologies and folklores of like people who speak the truth. And I think like that's really interesting and worth exploring too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Has there been any recent examples of like gripes that you've had that were stacking up that you released in a cycle or like some truth that came through? Oh yeah, I feel like I do it every month. (laughs) Um, Okay, so last month, remember I said I was sick? Uh Uh-huh. So, you know, I kept like, I had traveled the month before. So I got kind of run down during the maiden phase. Mm -hmm. And then I was just like, my kids brought home a virus and so I was like really sick. And then, so I was sick at Christmas time and I was just like, ah, this is such a gripe. And like, I always feel a little guilty when I'm sick about like the burden I'm putting on everyone else. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As if I wouldn't be happy to take care of others when they're sick, but then I'm like, Oh, I'm such a burden. (laughs) So that's the gripe. And I was like, man, my gripe is that I, I have to feel like such a burden. (laughs) Right. As if it's like everyone else's fault that I feel like a burden. But then I was sort of able to work that. And I was like, you know, it's okay for me to take up space in this way. It's okay for me to ask for help. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You know? So when it came to my bleeding time, I was really ready to bleed out like this resistance to saying like, I'm sick and I need you to like cook dinner for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think part of learning to be in a community of womb holders and just a community in general that like people sometimes miss is that it does everyone a favor when you like 
call a friend and you're like, can you bring me dinner? Like help, I'm sick. <laughs> yeah. And then that's then good for it, the whole community. Right. And I'm so much more comfortable in the role of being the person bringing the dinner, but I have to learn to be both. So that was the reworking of the gripe at the end there. And I was like, oh, call my friend, ask for help. <laughs> right. Yeah, it gives everyone else permission to like, oh, I can do that too. And so it sounds like um, preparing for or like the way to support yourself in the luteal phase in the summer phase is by not being like too overly accommodating, like not, you know, giving everything you've got, like completely mm-hmm. yeah. pouring and yourself out. Yeah, giving some of that to yourself, like filling yeah. your cup up and then being like, oh, can I just like have this totally overflowing cup right now because I have so much to give and then, you know, see where right. else it goes. Yeah, because then if you enter that that luteal phase, that wild woman phase, completely empty, you're going to be like, yeah, like, why? She's going to be mad. Like, and be I mad, yeah. externalize these um, forces. Like, the wild woman's going to be mad at me, too, if I don't set her up for success. She's going to she's gonna be wrathful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this is, um, I think for a lot of people the part of the menstrual cycle that most people are familiar with if they're not like super steeped in the kind of whole menstrual cycle awareness world like everyone knows about pms and everyone has experienced the the rage and the mood swings but it's pathologized as this like syndrome that needs to be like cured or fixed or whatever with birth control or or just like don't talk about it, like keep it to yourself. Um, yeah, like explode inside. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then have all kinds of symptoms during your menstruation. Right, right. And it's like, no, this, these emotions are coming up for a reason. Like they are valid and they're telling you something like you can learn from them. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's why um, I like wise women so much because there's yes. wisdom in that rage. Rage yes. can be very sacred, and especially during that part of your cycle. I mean, you yes. can feel rage anytime, but that type of rage is like deeply personal. Yes, I love that. It's such a such a paradigm shift from, I think the other archetype of like a hormonal like crazy woman pmsing woman you know like you're not crazy you're a wise woman yeah and sometimes and i love this about myth and story like the people delivering the wisdom and myth and story are all always like a little whoa (laughs) there's like this woman who comes out of the woods and her head is bobbing and she's (laughs) like you know it's not like it doesn't always look pretty Right. But that's the person delivering the wisdom. Yeah. Often in story. Yes. It's like, oh, she's she's seen some shit. She's been through some things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me too. Awesome. Let's move on to the final phase. Yeah. So the final phase is winter. And um I usually hear this called crone. Um I also like the word hag from Sharon Blackie. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, I like the reframe of the hag as being a positive thing. But Well, um, I just recently heard that the word hag comes from like Greek or some ancient language and it actually means it like actually translates to wise woman or something like that. Yeah, there you go. And like yeah. the hag is very wise. Um, she, But, you know, she's also really close to death. So there's all that power that comes with that, like being on the cusp in that portal. And I think sometimes for me, that phase is really um, like an oracle would be a good archetype for me. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody who's sort of transcended worldly concerns and, you know, like witch in the woods. I like that archetype for myself. Um, yeah. I definitely let, you know, it's, they're all very like, stay at home, stay in your cave, stay in your, you know, um, menstruation calls for that because of the kinds of vision and clarity and insight you can get during that phase. Yeah. And I think it's also along the lines of the winter archetype. So interesting to note that like 
that's when seeds are actually putting down roots in the soil is during the cold winter months. Right. So it's actually gestation that's happening in the winter. And um, yeah, whatever will be birthed next is like coming, coming to root. Yeah. Yeah. It's like not seeing the darkness or silence as a bad thing. It's like, no, we actually like the plants literally need this darkness to hibernate and eventually sprout in the spring. Um, and just as humans, we need this this yeah. time period of just quiet and um, introspection, reflection um, to hear the messages that are coming through during our menstrual phase. And I think it, it sounds like... Um, how you are in your luteal phase coming into your menstrual phase like if you are continuing to push through and go hard in your luteal phase and like keep doing the intense workouts and keep like going out to like all these social events and like again you're going to be burnt out by the time you get to that menstrual phase and you're not going to i guess be able to connect with that introspection or yeah. intuition quite as much um yeah yeah if you're in too much pain to like hear your oracle right you know I mean? mm -hmm. um and so yeah or like also if you don't use some of that energy in the luteal phase some of that like er, to like prepare then you're yeah. gonna like not have any food and you're gonna mm -hmm. be bleeding and in pain and have to like try and make your salsa food and yeah. like you know this kind of thing it's not not a good way to experience you know the potential of that time right right yeah. absolutely um yeah so I wanted to share really quickly uh what came through for me <laughs> in this journey recently was so like I think it was in December I had sent an email newsletter to my community talking about all this big game about how like i'm gonna quit my full-time job and i'm gonna go all in on my business um and i was just like really feeling into that like just take the risk do the bold thing like and then uh the next month or like two weeks later um when the next phase came around. So in that phase, I was in my follicular phase, my maiden phase. I so that. Yeah. yeah. So I was very much just like the reckless, like not thinking things through, not really caring about the consequences of things. Just like, yeah, the way I see the maiden and relate to her is almost like a little sister who's like kind of naive and like, just like wide eyed and like, doesn't doesn't know any better and you as the older sister have to talk to her and be like you know relax like this is um like slow down kind of thing but so i was very much in my like little sister naive maiden phase and i'm like i'm just gonna quit my job because i don't like it anymore <laughs> and I, I see the maiden as like yeah again that selfish kind of like she wants what she wants when she wants it like right now and two weeks later, when I entered the luteal and like wise woman phase, I stepped into how I see it like that older sister who's, you know, talking to the younger sister and she's like, listen, like, you got to slow down, you got to be more responsible, you got to think this through, like, what's really going to happen if you quit your job right now? Um, and so there's this balance of... <laughs> And, and so I did eventually decide like, okay, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna quit just yet. I'm gonna hold on to it and use that income to invest in my business and like invest in help, you know, hire someone to edit the podcast for me. So I don't have to like take as much time to do that. Um, and so the truth speaker really came in and she's like, hold on, like, how can we, because I've, fallen into that pattern before of quitting my full-time job and just like going all into my business and then ending up in financial scarcity. And so the truth speaker kind of stepped in and she's like, wait, let's like look at our patterns and 
you know, where did this lead you last time? Do you want to end up in that place again? Mm. No. So how can we approach this differently and more responsibly? Um, and I, I think there is, you know, something to be said for the goodness of the maiden, kind of that like spontaneous, reckless, like she's the one who pushes you to go outside your comfort zone and just like do the thing. Like she's the one who pushed me to quit corporate the first time and move to Vietnam and teach English. And I ended up loving it. So like there's good in that for sure. Um, Yes. But I, I mean, that I was 25 at that time. So it's okay to like do that kind of reckless thing. And um, you have time to sort of recuperate the consequences of that. But now at 30 years old, my truth speaker was coming and she's like, all right, we can't just like quit your job and, and, you know, do this again. Like, let's think about how to do this responsibly. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was so interesting to see those, those archetypes come through and, and it showed me, okay, my best time in my cycle to make big life changing decisions is in that luteal, like wise woman, truth speaker Mm -hmm. phase. Um, And to really approach with caution, the thoughts or decisions that are coming up in the maiden phase, because yeah, it, it might seem like fun and, you know, good and spontaneous and whatever at that time. But now I'm like, okay, wait a full cycle, like go yes. through all the archetypes. Let before... every part of you weigh in. Yes, yes. Before you, you know, just. Because both things can be true. Yes. Right. Like, right. It, could be, it can be fun, but then, yeah, all those other things are part of the picture. It's awesome exactly. that you had that experience. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um. Awesome. Anything else that we want to share? Yeah, I guess one of the things when I was really like mulling this topic and yeah, I think this would be a nice thing to end with is just that like those parts of um, the archetypes that are shadow parts are really worth working with too. And um I think it's really important in like the health and wellness space to reframe a little bit this idea that like, you know, you never want to like even like acknowledge the like prostitute energy or whatever that you contain as well. But if you're really working with yourself, you don't want to exile any part of you. So it's yeah. it's more about how to channel that in a way, channel that into your life so that it's not exiled. Yeah. Um, so I was really thinking about that because I'm like, oh, you know, when you really exile like your inner prostitute, you're not it doesn't do yourself a favor in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. She's just going to get louder and louder because she's being ignored. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so I think, yeah, with working with archetypes, there's value in just like all of these things that come up for you. Mm-hmm. And it turns your whole life experience into like a study. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you um, have any particular practice or way that you kind of like sit with the shadows and let them come through and and hear them? Yeah. So I was really influenced by the work of a woman named Carly Mountain, who wrote a book about the anonymous um, called Descent and Rising. And I've been very inspired. I took her course and everything. And she does all these movement practices And some of them involve like shaking in this way that might not be beautiful or like making a really ugly face or like, you know, and I think just allowing that even just in private to be part of your experience and sit with how that feels was a really powerful practice for me. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, even like when you look in the mirror and stuff, or when I look in the mirror, I tend to want to like look pleasant at myself, you know, and just this idea that I would make a face that was intentionally ugly. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah it's, it was really helpful. And I think, um, you know, then sitting with those feelings and journaling about it, or yeah. when I feel an emotion come up that I find to be like repulsive inside, I'm like, oh, you know, I got to get that down. 
Um, yeah. And menstrual cycle awareness helps me with that because I'm like, oh, I want to work with that during my menstruation or I want to like uh, invite her in. Who is she? What does she have to teach me? You know, so. mm-hmm. mm, I love that. Yeah, something that I do when um, like an ugly emotion or thought or feeling comes up, a shadow or whatever, I'll acknowledge them and just kind of say like, I see you and I understand you. It makes sense that you had that thought because blah, 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 like it's coming up for a reason. So just validating their existence and why that's coming up. And I, as soon as I do that, I can feel the softening um, and I can feel them kind of like quiet down. So uh, well, this was so good. Thank you so much, Megan. Um, I I know I do have some listeners in Pacific Northwest. So do you awesome. want to share um, like how people can find you and your work and follow you? Sure. Um, the best place is probably Instagram. I tend to post all my updates there. And I am Moon Cycle Megan on Instagram, M-E-G-A-N. Um, and then I have a website that's meganhain.com, but it's mostly just a business card at this point because I'm working on building out my website more to be able to like book circle and stuff. But yeah. right now I'm just really analog. I'm like texting everyone before circle. And, you know, <laughs> so I just sort of have a text thread going and it's, you know, so if you want to get on that and you want to join us in circle, we would love to have you. Perfect. Well, thank you so, so much. I can't wait for people to hear this. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Womology podcast. If you desire to go deeper, we'd love to have you inside the Cyclical Sisterhood community. If you feel called to come off birth control, live in alignment with your cycle, tap into your womb wisdom, and to do so with a community of other sisters on the same journey, this space is for you. Join us in being part of the movement to reclaim our feminine power and to pass on this healing information to future generations. You can use the code PODCAST to get 10% off your monthly membership. I hope to see you inside. So-